What's happening, Mark? Well, hey there, Johnny. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I'm doing okay, man. I, I met some some pretty cool uh, ladies the other day. No, did you? I did. I did. So uh, we've got this big university here in Germany where I'm at. Um, lots of master's level students and stuff. You know, lots of different people going to university. Maybe it's because it's mm -hmm. free over here. Maybe it's because oh. people like to be educated over here. Who, who knows? Who knows? I don't know why. Oh. Oh. But for some Sounds reason. Sounds like you're like, a socialist there, Johnny. Well, hey, you know, it, 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 it does what it does. Let's just say that uh, the, the people around my college town that I live in are a lot handsomer and, and prettier than the ones walking around your college town. Maybe because they're not weighed down by shitloads of debt. Anyway, besides that, have you ever heard of like Our a earliest German... one? Have you ever heard of like German fraternities, Mark? I did not know that was a thing. No. Yeah, so like there's there's German fraternities and stuff, kind of like uh, you know like the uh, fraternities, sororities, that that sort of thing, and uh, there's there's a couple of them in and around town, and I just happen to see this one. Like there's these girls, they're sitting out on the the like sidewalk and stuff, like kind of getting into the way of the bike lane because everybody in Germany bikes everywhere. Um, mm -hmm. If they're not on the autobahn, like going three hundred freaking kilometers an hour. But yeah, there's like standing in the middle of the bike lane and they've got these like jars and this fresh, fresh bread, like still steaming, like just pulled it out of the oven, fresh bread. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord, what what am I getting myself into? You know me, man. Uh, and, and listeners, you probably could could guess like I I'm a big boy. I like to eat and I like to eat good food. And there's a shitload of good food in Germany. <laughs> so all of a sudden. This girl, she just like walks up to me, like the most bottle blonde German that I've ever seen. And she just goes, I need to get out of here. They haven't let me wee in two freaking days. I'm like, what oh. is going on? Like, I, uh, you need help? Like, I don't, I don't have a car or anything, but I guess you can help me. Like, you can use my rail pass if you want. Here you go. And I handed her my ticket. She just like hands me all this stuff and just like books it down the Ubon station. And so now oh God. uh come to find out that I'm I'm just like a part of this weird German sorority. I guess they allow dudes in. But you can't call me Johnny anymore. My name is Jane and this is the Dangle Podcast Mark. We love you, Jane. We love you. <laughs> we love you, Jane. Yes, this is the Jane old Jane cast. Um where the weekly uh, King of the Hill Jane cast, where me, Jane, and my good buddy, Jane, we take two episodes of the beloved adult animation classic, Jane of the Hill, by Jane Judge, and we talk about the good, and the good, and the low, but that's only because you remember what it's like to go pee, and we talk about it if it's amazing, or Jane, or... I lost the thread already. God damn it. It broke down so fast. Uh, we talk That's about okay. the good parts and bad parts and highs and lows. And then we slap it with our patented rating, Jane. Hey, it's back again, guys. <laughs> Jane, let's get on into it. Right, buddy? Yes. I'm German Jane, by the way. And you're angry, Jane. <laughs> Love it. And we're, and we're watching this show created by Texas Jane. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Fucking writing that down in my production notes. Oh, that's amazing! Tagging it. Oh, that's that we have to do it that way. 
Guys, welcome to the Dangle Podcast. We're going to start off this week's episode with episode 121, Fun with Jane and Jane. And if you can't tell, Mark and I are very giddy because one of our all-time favorite characters is coming back with a tour de force of an episode here. But oh yeah, this is this is not the one. This is not the character that I I love and is so near and dear to my heart. Not in this episode. I'm telling you, I'm gonna spoil it right now. This is not my favorite. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll talk. I about don't it, buddy. hate it. It's just not my favorite. So original air date for this episode April twenty first two thousand and two. Written by Garland Testa. We've seen lots of stuff from him. Our cast of characters for this episode: Hank, Peggy, Bobby, Hill, Luann, Platter. Dale Gribble, Boomhauer, Bill Dotrieve, Buck Strickland, and then we have some introduction characters here. I don't think they get seen by anybody else, but we have Lisa, otherwise known as Jane. We also have Lead Jane and Jane Number Two, a cameo. Uh, Mark, <laughs> do you recognize any of our guest voices? Because there are two, actually, two non-King of the Hill regulars, one who is uh, a more actress-actress and one who is actually a very famous voice actress that are in this episode um i recognized anna ferris she's just doing her like weird uh house bunny bit she is which is weird because this is like probably five or six or seven years before house bunny yeah that was like what 2009 i want to say i think so because i was definitely in college when it happened yeah i think we all went and watched it Honestly, you may be the only person I've watched that movie with. I love Anna Faris, guys. She's incredible. Uh, Chris Pratt did not deserve her, so have fun with Arnold's daughter. Um, yeah. Nah, you're marrying uh, you, that for daddy. That's why. I, I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, at that point, you have to decide, do I want Anna Faris or do I want Arnold Schwarzenegger? And that's a really hard decision. That's my point. Like... Yeah, Anna Faris is adorable and lovable and a fantastic actress. But is she going to improve my deadlift? I don't... Probably not. I don't know. <laughs> is she just going to get totally shithoused on whiskey and cigars with me? Probably not. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but do you, did you recognize the other voice actress? I did not know. Okay, so according to the wiki, I did not check the IMDb. And I probably should because it sounds an awful lot like Bobby's act, uh, voice actress. But the lead Jane allegedly is Tara Strong. Really? Yes. So for those of you guys that don't know too much about voice actors, Tara Strong has been in a lot of different voice acting roles. Most notably, she's Bubbles in the Powerpuff Girls. She's Harley Quinn in just about any animated Batman thing that's come out in the last 20 years. Uh, she's Raven in the Teen Titans. There's a there's a lot. She she's does a Pinkie lot. Pie? She gets a lot of work. Who? Pinkie Pie, Pinkie yes. Pinkie Pie? Yeah. Yes. Um, I don't watch My Little Pony, and I goddamn knew what character Tara Strong voiced. That's how prolific Tara Strong is. And I can confirm fantastic. on IMDb <laughs> that the wiki's correct, John. Oh, fantastic. Thank you for double-checking that. So, yeah, we yeah, get, we get uh, some Tara Strong in here, which I think is pretty awesome. Yeah, but I, yeah. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a uh, little, like... Awesome voice acting talents from Anna Ferris, from Tara Strong. This is a, an interesting episode. Mark, are you are you ready for my synopsis here? Hell yeah, buddy. Uh, Luann finds a new sisterhood on the campus of Arlen Junior College, and Hank and the boys have an emu problem. 
Yep. That is that is the best way to to sum up my uh, my B story here. That's that really should have just been the A story because it's almost more entertaining, but not quite as entertaining. This is a this is yeah. a weird episode because I love both of these stories. Yeah. They are A story characters. I I think we can say Luann and Peggy are firmly A story, and the guys Hank, Bill, Dale, Boomhauer are B story. I'd say that they're A sub one. Okay, because of the tie-in at the end. Yeah. Okay. And like they're they're inter they're interconnected throughout the run. Okay, fair enough. Like more than I I don't know. I'd say A sub one, but that's just me. No, I mean they do tie them together at the end. It's just uh, it's an interesting thing because you, you can't really see how they're going to tie them together until the very end. Yeah. It's just a bunch of clever writing. Uh, but Mark, let's get into some notes, man. Hell yeah. Do it up, good buddy. So let's see here. I have the return of Buck's genuine Italian scattergun. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but I did. Yes, and I, I wrote did. it out that way as well. <laughs> um, I, I thought that was interesting. I also, I mean, that's probably the ideal way to kill a, a, an emu, right? You'd think. Like using a shotgun instead of the very clearly high-powered rifle that Dale wants to use to just blast its face off. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, throw a sock over its head and then shoot it with a shotgun in the face, and yeah, that's it, you're done. Just call it good, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting. Um, I got a question for you, Mark, because I feel like okay. it's got to be coming up pretty soon here. Um, when does Peggy start getting close with men? Like, when do they stop having, like, the, the, the neighbor rivalry and actually having the friendship? Because later on in the series, she doesn't have just Nancy as a friend. Yeah, I th- think that's coming next season. Okay. And I was curious if, I realized if you today could we're only four episodes out from, like, the end of this season. Yeah, yeah, we're really close to the end of season six here. Yeah, these two we cut today are the last ones of season six proper until returning Japanese... It's a one right. and two part, so we don't have to do like a weird three part episode. Right. But yeah, yeah. So you think it's gonna be next season where we start to see some more of that that friendliness? I really yeah, like the longer I the do. seasons throughout, we see a lot more of the super pones, so I know we're going to see more of men. I just didn't mm-hmm. know when they established that. Yeah, I just I just don't remember. Yeah. Um I already mentioned our voice actresses here, and the only other note I've got here is, Mark, have you ever watched the, the t- it's a short, limited series on HBO called The Vow? Uh, no, I have not. Okay, so if you or you, you in- listeners have any interest in cults and modern day cults, you should go and watch this thing about, the. it's essentially this cult that was happening in northern new york and like albany in the the uh, albany region of new york yada yada yada. uh and it's essentially this like pyramid scheme self-empowerment cult that this this guy he recruited a whole bunch of people and they follow his methodologies and everybody creates their own little subsections so there's one that's just for men there's one that's just for women there's one that's just for like married couples yada 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 and you recruit more people underneath you and all this and that so it's this big pyramid schemey thing, but it also turned into this weird sex cult thing. Oh, and cool! The, and the guy ended up uh, like him and a bunch of like formerly famous people because he recruited a lot of of like Hollywood actors and stuff like this. Um, 
they like were branding sigils into women's uh like into their stomachs or near their private area and stuff like that like Jesus like it's Christ. it's hardcore if if you've ever heard of the uh the controversy the biggest person that out of this that most people know that connects to all of this is um allison mack the actress from smallville the blonde oh you're talking about nexium yeah i'm talking about nexium yeah this i this... was like god damn that yeah. sounds just like nexium but i didn't yeah. realize there was one up in new york too i guess i thought it was out of la i don't know why I, well, they have branches everywhere. Dude, there's still branches that are active, I'm pretty sure, in Mexico. Oh, Jesus. I think, yeah, even I though think this guy right, is yeah. in jail. But, yeah, no, yeah. This, is the, this is the, like, sex cult and stuff that Alice and Mac was a part of. Yeah, okay, I got you. I, got, I was like, damn, those are like, that sounds like shot for shot like Nexium, man. That's crazy. <laughs> there's two of them at the same time. Yeah. I'm an idiot. Don't, don't listen to me. I think I'm getting, like, no. my first ever, like, office-based illness, so my brain no, is kind no. of turning into garbage. No, you're not an idiot, but I'm glad that you recognized it. But yeah, there's there's a like it's like a ten or eleven episode uh, docu series all about Nexium and and like them bringing it down from the inside. God damn! You should check it out if you guys have any interest in this at all. It's you you after the first like two episodes, you won't want to stop watching it. It's super addictive. But yeah, cults are still very much alive and real, and they're not all just dudes trying to feed you poison Kool Aid. Oh yeah, yeah. There was that love is one up in Crestone, like oh, what, sixty God, I, miles I always, from where I live. I was gonna say I always forget about the one that's super close to you. That that yeah has that been in the news within dish. the last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. They like trafficked her dead body across like state lines. They're all in a bunch of fucking trouble, and they're like, "It's our Messiah. She's a reincarnated yeah. three billion year old star child." Oh, okay. Well, and they like they would send people out into the the sand dunes area where there's no water and no food or anything else with no clothing and basically let the elements kill them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, those people are super fucked up too. Guys, yeah, cults <laughs> cults are still very fucking real, and we're not just talking like the Donald Trump style, like the old school <laughs> s- style of cult is there is there. But you know what was a cult classic, Johnny? That beloved cult. show, King of the Hill. <laughs> Hey, nice, uh, nice recovery there, man. Uh, that's what I got for notes. I, I, I'm, I'm taking a relatively funny episode and turning it into something dark because cults suck ass. No, I this had a Halloween feel for me. Like, I honestly thought this should have been a Halloween episode. I could see that. Like, it has, like, the man versus man struggle of, like, Luann and the Janes, and then it's got, like, the man versus nature bit with Hank and the guys and the emus, like... Um, yeah, yeah, that that whole feeding scene—it's one of my pros, but it's just a Jurassic Park reference. Like, oh, absolutely. This could totally be like a horror episode, you know. Um, anyway, notes: Johnny Luann's back, and she's actually here. It's not just one single line in her like yes. watching Bobby joust or some shit. Like, or not joust, yes. but like not wear his mask right. Like, she's actually back. So. Peggy is full of shit when she says she doesn't know how to use a cookbook because she used one in I Remember Mono. and To make beef well. I'm really mad at myself that I remember that fact. I've become the king of the hill nerd. Like, the <laughs> ultimate king of the hill nerd. Worst <laughs> reference ever. I hope somebody got fired for that blunder. Um, uh, They blew their animation budget on the emu feeding scene. I watched that scene like three fucking times. Yeah. It's it's a good little bit. Oh, absolutely. It's a really cool little bit of animation there. Yeah. General note, just throughout this episode and I guess the series, 
Poor Luann. She's been through the ringer, hasn't she? God damn. Yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. And I don't like that her only defense is being dumb. Because she's... That's my issue with this. She's just the like weekend. we'll we'll get to it, but like th- okay. this episode well, paints her to be way more dumb than she should be. I don't I don't know if she's dumb or naive and like doesn't know what college is. I don't know. We'll talk about that in a little bit here. Um, finally, you're not tripping. That's an emu. I laughed way <laughs> too hard at that. <laughs> oh, good shit. <laughs> uh, give me some of your pros, buddy. Uh, I have in here, Luann is adorable. I missed her naive ways. I definitely see it as not as much stupidity as it is naivety. Naivety. Naivete. Naivete. I can't. I have no idea how you guys want me to pronounce it, so pick one of the three ways I just said it. Um, Naivety. <laughs> damn you. <laughs> um, I, I don't know. There's There's a sense here that makes me think, Luann would know better than to try and go into the, is it Beta Sigma Tau? Yeah. And she would know better than to say, I hear all of you are sluts. And is that true? Because if so, I don't want to be here. Uh, she's got more just like yeah. common sense than that, than just to out, like blurt it out. And I feel like they had built her up to be really smart and independent. The last time we saw her in any really good grandiose chunk was when she was becoming a, a pool messiah at the end of the episode where she had a bunch of roommates, right? I feel like that's the last oh, time we yeah. saw her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think so. It's been a long damn time. Yeah, at least with anything with substance, that's the last time well, we no, saw Well, no, her. no, no, um, no. What are we talking about, dude? Reemergent Virgin. That was like okay, not okay. too long ago. Okay. I mean, we but, we watched it back in May. I have no idea when it released. <laughs> but that was one right. of those ones that you were up here for. Yeah, like... Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's been a minute, but like... I feel like they had set her up to be very independent. Like, cool. At, at Shit, at one point, Hank was okay with her marrying somebody else and living across the street from him. Yeah, he can keep an eye yeah. on her, but that's a big commitment. If Hank had seen her just like walk into this place with a shitload of beer and just start talking track. There's no way. He would have been like, oh, that's right. You're basically 19, 20 years old still, and you can't take care of yourself. Not if you're going to yeah. act this way. So oh, this, I've got a lot of confused feelings about this episode, but I did miss the win. <laughs> I missed her naivety because it is it is very adorable. Um, yeah. And she has got to be the most frustrating person to work with. Yeah. Like, yes, because for all of what she is, her ordering pizza and all this other stuff, like just constantly flouting their rules, Mm -hmm. she doesn't know any better. So she doesn't even realize that she's making people mad most of the time. Um, Yeah, and that's that's why I get hung up with it. Yeah, it gets, I don't know. I think you and I might have a lot of the same problems with this episode. Oh, probably. Yeah. Um, I have written down here under a pro that Peggy is very brain damaged this episode. Either that or she is just so, so desperate. And I think it's a, a little bit of one and a lot of the other. She is just so yeah. much. How do you walk into this and also not see it? Because she's also very naive. It must be a fucking platter trait. But 
I don't know. Yeah. Um, the last pro I've got here is that I love, I love that they pull the like 1940s, 50s, 60s classic animation bit of I'm literally going to cook something and make it smell super good and then waft it <laughs> towards you. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, that's my that's love of like bit. Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, what do you got for pros, man? That is a good little bit. No, uh, yeah. Hank feeding the emu. Again, I watched that scene like five times. Oh, hello there, fella. It's, I like it a lot. It's a very <laughs> sweet Hank moment. Mark, I can't kill something that's tickled me. <laughs> um, why does everything I love run away? Because you have to pet it like an idiot. <laughs> Calm down, Lenny. God, that, I'm a freaking I rabbit. Think... I think that might be my favorite Hank line ever. Like, I, it's great. Um, the grilling scene, just the whole scene. You already hit it. Yeah. Um, and then I have the note. This is a really good episode. And then I have all the horror note that I mentioned earlier, but because I yeah. can't wait my turn like a good boy. Um, <laughs> you just got so excited. That's okay. I got so excited. I really like this episode. I don't remember yeah. it. Like. I thought the emu thing came way later. I don't know. I didn't expect it to last as long as it did. I always forget how, how much of a factor that is in this episode. I always think it's like a one-off joke that you see like maybe once or twice, and the bulk of the episode is the cult stuff. But no, it's pretty much split halfway. Yeah. I Like I say, I don't remember it, and I enjoyed it. But um, doesn't sound like you did, so give me some of your cons, buddy. Um. So... I just kind of already talked about it. It seems to me like they just, they took Luann and they shifted her intelligence down for this episode. Mm -hmm. Like we had her at a very good, like understandable, reasonable level for the last few times we've seen her. And you just knocked her down a peg or two for this one. And I think it's for like stupid gags and everything else. And I think it's a disservice to the character. Um, On that same note, like I feel we are just getting stupider and stupider and stupider with Bill. Um, yeah. This episode specifically, I, I wrote out, uh, Bill believed you and he was there when he, when he there asking if, if Buck believed him, if they shot him and he just, oh, goes, yeah. and he just like gives yeah. you that slack jawed Cletus look. And I'm like, Oh God, you guys at this point, it's either you hate writing for Bill or you're literally like, you just turn him into your biggest idiot man child. You've turned him I into the Lenny of the show. And I, that's where we're at, though. What... We just talked about in Bluegrass is Greener about how, like, Bill, spit that out. And he, like, has the goddamn change in his mouth. And it's like, yeah. why is a grown man eating change? Like, yeah. Well, and, yeah. And, and in a few episodes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm I'm have my fill of it. And I'm, it's going to start really affecting my views on, the, on this show or on, on, a, on an episode in particular. Um, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there in a few episodes. Um, and then my other con here, it's a, so are you sure that I'm angry, Jane? Or are you (laughs) angry, Jane? (laughs) I'm German Jane. Damn it. Germans are angry too. I could be two Janes. I could be two Janes. (laughs) Um, the only other note I have as a con here is a continuity thing. Luann okay. orders a pizza, Mark. Okay. 
How did the pizza guy get past the armed gate that Hank can't get past? Luann told him the code? Maybe. I don't know. I don't, if that's, that's the a... case, why didn't she leave? Because she very clearly wants to leave halfway through this episode. Because I think she's too dumb to leave. Like, Okay. She has people that love her now. And she doesn't know what love is because it's goddamn Luann. Yeah, because love's going to stab her in the back with a fork. Uh, Mark, what are your cons? Uh, uh, yeah. Cons. Um, okay. I don't know what my problem is, but animation is getting really, really weird for me. Like, Okay. It's... Uh, it, it was weird. Um, it started with this episode. Um, it's going to happen for the next couple. Like, I don't know what my problem is, but like... um. Like, Luann in the kitchen, her animation's real blocky and chunky. Okay. It's off. It's just really off. Like, I feel like season one looked better. And I wonder if it's because this is where they switched, like, animation methods. It could be. I I know they're still doing hand-drawn up through at the end of this season for sure. And I think halfway through next season, but they they may be experimenting with it, which would not surprise me. I don't know. It's just real weird and chunky. It looks like, I don't, it's like ants. You don't realize how many ants are in your kitchen until like you see all of them all at the same time. And then you don't realize right. how messed up this animation is until you see all of it all at the same time. And for me, it started with Luann in the kitchen and it's going to go on like, People's okay. heads look like they're not connected to their bodies. There's a bit in one episode where Hank wears a uh, suit, and okay. his head doesn't look like it's connected to his body. I I don't. Maybe I'm going crazy. I I really don't know, but yeah, there's that one. Um, Luann has a line: "I'm losing weight. I lose it in my chest first. And <laughs> my con for that is no, her Missy melons. Johnny, those won't be Rocky <laughs> Fords anymore. <laughs> They're turning the yeah the Great Rockies into the Appalachians, and it's not okay to do. <laughs> and finally, I I am directly disagreeing with you. I guess I don't think this is brain injury, Peggy. I think this is dumb, idiot, desperate, Peggy. Okay. She is at the end of her rope for boredom, and she found somebody that will listen to her. Nah, she's okay. just dumb. She's just that desperate. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I mean, and also she Peggy... was just taken in by Dr. Vizosa, so like you know she's cut like crashing off that high of getting one over on him, so like she's desperate for any type of win. So Yeah. I, we we do know Peggy, there is a pattern of this and it it's happened long before her brain injury, so Yeah, okay. I don't know. Um and yeah, that's what I got. You got a favorite moment, buddy? I've got two, actually. I'm going to save my okay. favorite, favorite moment till the end. Um, I, I like dumb Luann's explanation of how she remembers her name. No, I think of a man named Lou and a woman named Anne. <laughs> it just, it's perfect for her. It is so perfect for her that she has a so mnemonic dumb. device to remember her own fucking name. That's the kind of idiocy I want out of her because that's the like weird backwoods redneck that Luann is. Um, <laughs> oh, hey, I have a backup pro. I'm sorry, I didn't write it down, but you just triggered no, it. No, go for it. Um, she slips into Sir Reginald Featherbottom when she's talking to Hank, when she's trying <laughs> to hide the fact that she's talking to him. Yes, she does. 
and I when she's talking about sorry, the jams I, and preserves. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just yes. remembered that it was it was really sorry. Yeah. Um, but my other favorite moment here, it happens pretty early on. It's Dale's flip-flopping and on trying to kill the emu. No, I can't do it. Oh, wait. I just found the strength. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be in the sound studio with and just watch Johnny Hardwick record that. Like, I want yeah. that so bad. Because you have to know he had a blast doing it. Oh, yeah. Like... This is good Dale. This is like the Dale that I love. I know I bitch a lot about him. I've been bitching a lot, but he's getting better about it, I guess. He is. He is. I, I think we get a good episode with him later on uh, in this uh, this episode. Uh, our next one, I think. I liked the next one with him. But uh, Mark, give me some of your favorite moments. Um, favorite moments. You kind of hit it already, but um, the grilling scene. I know we're coming back to that a lot. I just like that whole bit. Mm-hmm. Um. I like that it's not a favorite moment, I guess, but Meat literally saves the goddamn day, and I love that. It Okay, right? here we go. We're rounding out season six. Like, how do we end an episode? We're going to have Meat save the fucking day. Because, like, I don't really remember the last time it saved the day. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Feeding scene, grilling scene, emu scene, it's all good. Um, And then just general emu shenanigans. There's that bit where Dale... Has the like, I don't know what you call it the the snare the snare pole, mm-hmm. and Hank looks out the window and just bashing him into the damn window. That's great. I love that. Right. I like them getting rocked out of the Bugabago by emus. That's hilarious. Like I don't know, and that's why I get hung up on animation because that shit was like flawless and beautiful. But it's like so good. If somebody shifts or somebody moves in a different direction, like their entire body looks disjointed to me. So that's why I'm getting like weirded out by the animation now. Um, yeah, you want to break down our rating system there, buddy? Uh, real quick, before we do that, um, I, I, cause you were bringing up the grilling scene and I want to, I want to touch on something really quick because this, this moment in animation, it, it hits a rare chord with me that a few other instances do. Um, and I, I have to believe that if you're not one of the people that does this as well, that at least one of our listeners is and can kind of like come together and make me not feel like I'm the only human in the world that does this. Have you ever <laughs> okay. had a moment where you're watching a TV show and it's very clear, it's animated and they're making something to eat and it makes you physically hungry? Oh yeah, absolutely dude. And this, the grill scene in this is one of those moments for me. It's like one of my top three moments of, of animated food that just, it makes my stomach hungry. It rumbles. And I'm like, every time I watch this, I could have just fucking eaten something like I could be more full in my entire life than any any time ever previously, and I will watch this and be like, "Oh my god, I fucking want that burger, or I want that steak." <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, please, oh, dude, just hand me a mouthful yeah. of of meat. Like the uh, uh, just just one bite episode of SpongeBob always gets me, where where fucking Squidward is just like pounding Krabby Patties in the vault. Mm-hmm. Every single time I watch that, it's the same thing, and it, um. There's a really good scene. It's really, it's just a fucking breakfast scene in the movie Howl's Moving Castle. And Billy Crystal is this little fire demon and he's just cooking this fat fucking bacon. And it's so damn good. <laughs> so damn good. Anyway, sorry, that's that's my like, because you are absolutely with, well within your rights to keep bringing up that stupid grill scene. It's like 30 seconds of this episode and it's the most memorable. 
Yeah, it's it's great. Um, and also to your point, yeah, a thousand percent. And um, anytime Bob makes a burger, like when we see the burger that Bob has made, mm, I want to eat that mm-hmm. fucking burger. Like some of them sound right. legitimately good. Um, like the foot feta ish burger or whatever the hell Louise <laughs> name did. Uh, for for those of you guys that are fans of regular show. I I almost have to ban myself from watching the Ultimatum episode because I know it would oh, be a monstrosity. Yeah. But every yeah. time. Every fucking time. Or like a grilled cheeser sandwich, holy shit. Every time. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay, we Ninja can't Turtle do this. Pizza. <laughs> oh yes. Yes, that yes, yes. Goddamn gloppy ass pizza in the nineties was the most delicious pizza ever made. Yes. Oh, or Homer's God. um. <laughs> The, the Good Morning Burger at Krusty Burger. I, that was like yes. ground zero for TV making me hungry. <laughs> Guys, can you tell that uh, Mark and I are very big fans of food, specifically like grilled food? <laughs> hey, man, it's breakfast time over here. I'm hungry. <laughs> uh, well, let me break down our rating system, Mark, because the sooner we finish, the sooner we can get your fat boy fed. Uh, our rating systems is as follows. At the very bottom, we've got a charcoal level episode. This is the lowest of the low. You can't get any dirtier or nastier than the soot underneath the boy's fingernails as a charcoal episode. You watch it one time, you probably won't ever watch it again. It's a terrible representation of King of the Hill and usually not a very good episode of TV. After that, you've got your megalo episodes. These are uh, a little bit better, but not by much. You could say they're uh, a bronze tier. Uh, a megalo episode is King of the Hill in theory. You might watch it one time, but you probably won't watch it anymore after that as well. But at least it's it's got some better character to it. It's got a, maybe a funny line or two that you can remember. You're not going to seek it out, though. The episodes you will seek out, however, are your butane episodes. They're a bastard episode. You love to hate them. You hate to love them. They're your silver ranked here. About half the episode is usually pretty good. You've got a pretty awesome, memorable story. You got good character development, all the all that sort of stuff. It just doesn't quite hold up as the best types of episode of King of the Hill. Uh, for those, you're going to need to get to our Char King episodes. This is the gold standard. A Char King episode is one that you will actively seek out and go, I want to watch this one. And they're fantastic. Uh, they give you everything you want out of a King of the Hill episode. You get propane, you get a Dale conspiracy, you get Luann bouncing or Missy Melons everywhere. A Char King <laughs> episode is fantastic. You just need a little bit of context to understand what is going on. Uh, for that reason, you can't give it our highest honor, the Blue Flame of Valor. But a Char King can become a Char King Imperial if both Mark and I deem it worthy. So the one last step up is our Blue Flame of Valor. These are our perfect episodes of not just King of the Hill, but of TV in general. This is an episode that you can show anybody who has never seen King of the Hill before, and they're going to fall in love with it and just as much as you are. So, with that being said, Mark, that was a lot of words to say. <laughs> that being said, it was a lot of things to say. Yep, I've definitely uh, had a lot of beer on an empty stomach, guys. What do you give Fun with Jane and Jane on our scale? <laughs> Um, I gave Fun with Jane and Jane and Char King. This is a really good episode. Um, you do need some okay. of that context to appreciate it. I think a little bit, like, the Buck thing wouldn't be as funny because, like, just that little bit when he walks out of the darkness and there's my loyal employee, like, that's good. But if you didn't know what this show was, you wouldn't get that. Um, yeah, my thing is, like, if you see it without context, you're just going to lose some shit. Like, is Peggy this dumb? Who the hell is this person? Stuff like that. Right. 
Um, but at the same time, this is a really, really good episode. It's got really good pacing, and I like that, like, maybe it is the A and B story. I haven't decided still, but, like, I like how they do sync up really well without overriding the other one until the B plot closes out the A plot. I like that. I think it's really neat. And, um, there's stakes in it. Like, for a minute there, you do think Luann is going to get abducted, and I like it. And then I like that Neat saves the day. I keep talking about it, I'm sorry, and that's the last time I'll mention it. How about you, buddy? Uh, so I didn't like it as much as you did. I gave it a butane. Uh, to me, it's I, I found it very entertaining. I do actively like this episode. Um, I really love the emu side story. I think it kind of saves a lot of it for me. But every mm-hmm. character in this episode seems to me like they just took extra stupidity pills. And for me, I, I'm expecting more out of it, especially for such a, a triumphant return for Luann. You know, okay. I, I felt like it was just it was a downshift for her character. So it's not one that I'm going to actively seek out. Uh, also, I've, I've read an awful lot and watched an awful lot about cults. And I don't like to associate this episode with actual shitty, gross, nasty <laughs> cults. Okay. So uh, I know, it's a butane. It's definitely watchable. Uh, guys, this is not one that I'm, I'm going to actively skip. I'm probably just not going to spend a lot of time seeking it out. Yeah, I will watch it again if it's on, but I'm not going to put it on. Yeah. Well, Mark, what do you say we move on to our next episode? I think that's a good idea there, buddy. Excellent. Next episode is 122, My Own Private Rodeo. Original air date, April 28th, 2002. This is written by Alex Gregory and Peter Hyuk. Hawk, (laughs) however you you, you feel. It's Hyuk. It's Hyuk. It's 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 got to be Hyuk. It's got to because that's just who we are now. And he's gonna get on here and get real mad at us. And I want to hear it. I want to hear your your anger. Uh, uh, our cast of characters are Hank, Peggy, Bobby Hill, Dale and Nancy, and Bug Gribble, Joseph Gribble, and Juan Pedro. Um, the wiki is also very clearly missing out Bill and Boomhauer, who just spend the entire episode giggling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and playing grab ass with each other and yes <laughs> yep uh mark are you ready for a synopsis <laughs> hell yeah buddy <laughs> gotta get you to stop giggling too damn it it's not that funny <laughs> okay i'm good um, now we've all ro- got the giggles <laughs> when the rodeo comes to town dale must make amends with his father for a past grievance so I went with short and sweet for this because I didn't want to to take away the the real big rainbow in the room here, guys. This is the one where we find out Dale's dad is super gay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, so uh, a story characters: Dale, Bug, Hank, and Nancy. Um, I, I feel like we're seeing a lot more of Nancy in the next few weeks. Yeah. Like she's this just is kind truly of gone season for a six. While. We're out of main characters. We're now we're now going to do side characters. Yeah, you're getting Peggy. You're getting Con. You're getting Nancy. Yeah, we just haven't gotten to Big Mountain Fudge Cake yet, but soon, soon, oh, guys. I bet Christ. you that's thank season Christ. seven or eight. Um, oh, let's put that uh, evil on me. <laughs> let's get to some notes, buddy. What do you got for notes? Um, notes number one: Bill's horrible upbringing. Here it is. It's back oh, again. I noted it too. God, he says um, he misses being like locked in a rabbit hutch, and that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. Um. Um. I want to go to a gay rodeo so goddamn bad. 
Spoilers, Oof. Mark. I'm going to tell you where you can go at the end of this episode. Oh, sweet, sweet Johnny. Thank you. <laughs> um, I thought it was a smart animation bit, not showing the guy riding the uh, Bronco. They just describe it, and the guys react to it, and I liked that. Yes. I don't know. I just thought it was clever. Um, I looked it up, and Fran Tarkington, who the announcer that Hank mentions is a former Viking slash giant. He is. He played for 18 yeah. seasons. Yeah. God damn, dude. Like, That's a hell of a career. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the Vikings. God. <laughs> Sorry, guys. My Broncos orange is showing, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally... Um, Buggy is dressed like Woody the Cowboy from Toy Story, and it really fucked with me. Okay. I don't know. It just me- it just messed with me the whole time. I'm like, why is he dressed up like Woody? I don't know. <laughs> and, you <laughs> know, I you, would Woody? rather have... I was going to say, I'd rather have Woody than Midnight Cowboy, because that's even more weird. Yeah, that's true. I... Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. I just... He's dressed up like a goddamn Toy Story character. For sure. Uh, okay, so I, I've got a note here uh, for music. I've actually got two music notes for this episode, but the okay. very first one, uh, that Dale has the flashback where Bug is kissing Nancy, and can mm-hmm. you guess what the very aptly named song is that's playing in the background? Uh, isn't it Carry On, Wayward Son by Kansas? Y- yep, Carry On by Wayward Son, which I thought was very smart and very clever. Mm-hmm. Also mm-hmm. very much something that they would have been would have been listening to. Um, also an amazing song. <laughs> it's a guitar hero, man. We all know it. We all love it. Uh, Mark, does Bobby know about Nancy and Redcorn? Because it's alluded to, and Nancy even tries to like suss it out of him. Does he know? I don't know. Have, I don't, we, have we even I talked he, about this? I think we have. I don't know, because we had that one debate way back when. And I when he says, yeah, Dale Gribble's, Dale Gribble's Yeah, that band. one. Yeah, oh, uh, King of the Ant Hill, I think, right? Yeah. It, it really doesn't matter. Um, yeah, I... He's a reasonable kid, and Luann knows, so, like, he's gotta know, right? He just doesn't care, because he doesn't have, like, the emotional stakes for it. And then, like, 20 years from now, he's gonna realize, oh, wow, Mrs. Gribble was really fucked up. Probably... Either that or he knows and doesn't want to ruin his his best friend's life by calling him out on it. Like, Bobby is smart enough to know that that's going to make... That's serious serious enough to screw with the whole vibe of the the, uh, alley. Yeah. I think I'm more bothered that we're back at this parentage of Joseph already after a week of Mice and Little Green Men. Right? Like, come on. I'm I'm tired of rehashing this. It's the end of season six. Like, it doesn't matter. It's the end of season six. That's where we're at, at, like... At least it's not a whole episode dedicated to this, though. Like, it's mentioned a couple of times, yes. Yeah. But it's it's not like Of Mice and Green Men, where the whole fucking episode was about it. Yeah, they just beat it to death. Yeah. How do we feel, collectively here, about the handling of, of the gay representation in this? Do you feel like it's over the top? Do you feel like it's it's more... Do you feel like it's I feel more like appropriate? I was a theater major and I definitely knew a lot of these types of gay people and I was a theater major and I also knew a lot of the types of gay people that might see this and be offended by its representation. Okay. Does that makes sense. 
Like, yeah. not to cut you off or anything, I just, I think that's the most delicate way to say it is sure. I have known people from both, I would say, prospective camps on this, so I don't know, and quite frankly, I think it's funny as hell, I like it, I think it's positive, I think it's upbeat, like... They're not lamp. They're not making fun of anybody. I think that right. Juan Pedro and Bug are very um, Robin Williams and oh, who's his partner in Birdcage? Um, oh, I is I it Billy Crystal? Remember. It's not Billy Crystal. Billy Crystal, right? Maybe it's been a long time since I've watched the Birdcage. But I think it's that. I think it's very snappy. It's very like, it's just what you thought of when you thought of like gay people in the two thousands and like. Yeah, maybe it's problematic, but at the same time, I don't care. And maybe I'm part of the problem, but okay. I still don't care. It's I really like it. I, like I said, I think it's positive. I don't think they're making fun of anybody. Sure. Like, even the guys, I, like, they're funny because they're not, like, they just don't get it. And they just laugh about it. And I think that that's funny. Like, right. you know, they're just, that you they're should laugh at things you don't it. understand. But, yeah, but, like, they're just... But they're just like being dorks about it, you know. They're not like, what is the what's Bill's line? And he says something about, and then I'll have sex with men, and then he just giggles about it, and it's <laughs> or them like grab assing in the alley, like it's just funny. Like I don't right. know, it's I don't know. Anyway, your thoughts. I'm sorry, I went crazy. No, no, I that's I asked you went for your response, and because I knew you were gonna have something for it. The way I look at this is I don't see anything problematic with it, but I'm also not a member of that community, so it's not my place to say. And the, the, the best way I can think of this is if we ever come to a moment like The Simpsons did with Apu, where somebody straight up makes a fucking documentary about how offensive and hurtful he is to a culture, if they do mm-hmm. that about this episode, I'm, I'm curious to watch it and see how I feel about it after that. But I will put this on par with one of the most beloved and memed Simpsons episodes of all time, the John Waters episode, and say that this handles it way better. Like, I feel like they are way less offensive in this than they are, like, at the Springfield Gay Steel Mill. No, that's the best cutaway bit ever. (laughs) That's not the point. (laughs) Keep reaching for that rainbow, boys. (laughs) Or like uh, most of the early, early, but like, like John Ryder was, or John text. Waters was a co-writer on that episode, like, right. Well, and I'm just saying, like, I feel, and that that gives so it was some it offensive or was it sure. John Waters camp? Like, I don't know. Yeah, and I'm not saying I hate that episode by any means. I just feel like if I had to compare the two of them, this one is the yeah. one that actually handles it a little bit better. But I don't know until somebody from that community comes out and has to make a statement on it because I feel like somebody is going to discover it and say, yeah, I need to make, I need to say something on this. Whether they really do is up in the air. Um, I was going to say, like, I, do we, I'm, do we really, or can we just enjoy a thing without being affected so intrinsically it. by it? I think we can just enjoy it, but it's, it's in our culture, Mark, you know, it's an eventuality that somebody will say something and it'll, it'll make its five minutes of fame, but yeah, I, I will the continue podcast to enjoy comes this. down to the stance that you guys are idiots. <laughs> now give us our gonna, five minutes of fame. Come cancel Dangle Podcast. I'm going to continue to enjoy this episode because I think it sends a good message, especially at the end. It's very corny for Dale to just say, why would I have a problem with gay people? Redcorn's been gay and I've liked him for years. <laughs> yeah. You know? But it's just it's interesting. Uh, you already grabbed my stats on uh, 
uh, Tarkenton. Did you notice that Boomhauer is back to his stage stalling from Bluegrass is Always Greener? I did not, no. Yeah, because he does his little magic trick. And I was like, that's funny. Boomhauer is the go-to guy when you need to stall something. Oh, they've stage now made that stalling. I see what... Sorry, I thought you meant something different. No, I get it now. I'm dumb. I'm dumb. Yeah. Sorry. I was like... <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh, uh, and then the very last music cue, Mark, did you take note? Oh, no, I didn't. It's I Can't Fight This Feeling by Ario Speedwagon. There you go. Uh, so let's get into some pros and cons, my dude. All right. I like Bill's stifle laughter face. I laughed way too hard at that when they're at the rodeo and he realizes it's a gay rodeo and he like makes that stupid face. Again, I <laughs> I really enjoyed Bill and Boomhauer in this way more than I should have. Um, <laughs> Bill, where he's, yeah, generally... he was trying so hard not to laugh that face. Yeah. That... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Dude, he is he is the epitome of like an eight year old boy that just found out that they're at, at somewhere with that's gay. Yeah, like he doesn't know any better. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just really funny. Um, um, uh, Bugs line of Bill of Monkey Mischief, and I think it's great, and we're finally <laughs> here. But I think we've been misquoting it as Monkey Shines, and now I'm I think we we've have. Been misquoting it. Yeah. Um, I guess that's our monkey mischief, right? Um, it is. Bill's still wearing the tank top. I was happy to see he was still wearing the tank top like the next day. And then I was kind of yes. sad when he had taken it off because I was like, oh, he should have worn it throughout. Like, I bet Bill just appreciates a good tank top, you know? Yes. Um, oh, you know Beto does. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Beto. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's what I got. Boomhauer's magic. That was a good bit. And yeah. How about some cons, buddy? Well, I'm going to get you my pros first. Oh, my God. I'm a dickhead. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. You're not a dickhead. Um, I love how petty Dale gets in this episode because it's like the pettiest of the pettiest. I'm not going to talk to him for 20 years because he kissed my wife on our wedding day. Yeah. 20 years. Even though his dad very clearly still 20 years later is sending him postcards of where he's at, wants mm-hmm. to make that work, and wants to be a part of his life, and he still gets no response other than return to sender on every single one of these like Mm -hmm. that's some damn dedication from bug but god that is so petty for dale but it fits with him so well um yeah so the scene in the trailer where juan pedro and bug are like breaking down with each other because juan pedro's just found out that bug has was married and has a kid and hank (laughs) just like does the old irish exit just sneaks on out (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I always, yeah. always crack up when I see that. Um, I noticed this because he calls him it multiple times and he used to, used to, and I think, I don't think he does anymore. We'll call it to cotton. Dale, Dale calls his dad, daddy. That's his word. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Or yeah, and it is. Yeah. The observation I made in this and you and I are going to have to kind of keep an eye on it is for the future, I don't think Dale is going to be as hard on Cotton's dick as he was because he now has his own dad back. He's got his daddy back. Yeah, that's true. And and we'll so I it, think, yeah. yeah, from here on out, I don't think we're going to see Dale like, yes, he loves Cotton and he loves getting up to crazy shit with him, but I don't think we're going to get to see too much more of that relationship. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and the last pro I have in here, we've hit it a couple times already. Bill and Boomhauer just playing grab ass all episode is just so silly to me. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's it. It's wholesome in a way because they're not being shitty to people of that community. They're basically just saying, we don't know how else to do this. And it's still so weird to us, but I'm going to sit here and mess with my friend. Cause I know he thinks it's just as fucking weird <laughs> and is just as confused. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think so. <laughs> it's also just fun to watch Bill, like screw with boom power. You don't see that power change very often. No. And that's why I like it so much. Cause they're, it's like you said, they're literally little kids at this point. Like, this is Bill and Boomhauer as they were as children, and I think it's very wholesome. Yeah. Um, go ahead and give me uh, cons, buddy. Um, cons. It's another animation bit. Nancy is in profile a lot, and it's weird as shit. And I got to thinking, when do we ever see King of the Hill characters in profile? Like, actual straight up, like, full profile, not like three-quarter. It is not often. But we'll see it actually not. coming up here. We'll see a lot of Nancy actually coming up here. Yeah, and that's what I mean. It's it's happening, and it's this animation that's really starting to fuck with me. Um, there's a scene in the alley, and they're both in profile, and literally, it's just Nancy boob. <laughs> it's all you it's can weird. Take, like all you can look at. It's Nancy's Missy Melons. I guess we have to think of a better name for. Um, uh, Nancy. It's Duh. it's Nancy's uh, Thunderheads. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, that's that's all it is, and it's. It's weird. Other than that, I don't have any cons. I, I laughed. I laughed way too much this episode and had a great time doing it. And I'm just like, I enjoyed this. Okay. Yeah. Um, I only have one con here, and it's it's like a weird timeliney thing. But they show the flashback in the beginning, and Bill is like, you know, he says rock and roll and pukes into the the uh, uh, toilet bowl. Yeah. And. If it's been if that was twenty years previously, he should still be in like bulldozer status, and he's not. He's already kind of turned into a pant load bill. Yeah, that's fair. So to me, it, it bugs me. It bugs me they don't keep that timeline sacred. I, I don't. I've been spoiled too much. Our modern TV, like Rick and Morty, pays way too much attention to those little last details, and so you'll get a callback from like four seasons previous in an episode yeah. that's brand new and you'll be like oh, you actually do remember and I, I expect that of King of the Hill and go why why should you they didn't do that shit back in 2002 no no and I, I feel like it was like Futurama that really started that trend because I think Matt yeah. Groening got so sick of dealing with assholes on Simpsons it was like why when you hit this rib does it make this sound you hit the same rib and it makes a different sound and shit like yeah. that so I think he really started that trend and then I think other yeah. creators kind of jumped on that wagon a little bit. I could see it. I mean, it's a, it's a successful thing. It keeps you coming back, keeps you looking. Uh, exactly, but... yeah. Or if there is some asshole paying that close of attention to it, like, then you're doing it for that asshole, you know? Oh, And absolutely. then that asshole appreciates it a little bit, I think. Hey, I, I just want I just want to say uh, if any of you actually out there are going to be involved with the quote unquote reboot of King of the Hill, if you need somebody to help document continuity, Mark and I are available. We'll fucking do it. Yes, we will. Also, I'm going to want to get paid for it, but I will fucking do it. Also that, and I'm glad that you're doing this and not me just talking shit about how there shouldn't be a reboot. But yes, I no, I really don't fucking want there to be. But if there is, I want to get damn paid for it. 
God, I hope not. And but if there is, yeah, Dangle Podcast will help you. I think we've proven <laughs> far and away that we are continuity nerds. Hey, we we do love this show. <laughs> we wouldn't have have done this many episodes. We're at sixty plus at this point. I know it's insane. Oh, hey, we also kind of missed our like podcast anniversary. Happy one year, buddy. That was like a month ago. But that w- it was, yes, happy anniversary. Yeah, We've been we hit doing it with blue always greener. Alrighty. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Uh, um, favorite moments, Mark. Favorite moments. You gave me yours. Uh, I have not. I only have one, and it's not really a favorite moment, but it's it's a very Hank line that I felt okay. was merited getting written down. Uh, With the joy of responsibility comes the burden of obligation. <laughs> very Hank line. Yes. Very Hank. How about you, buddy? Um, I've got two. It's the Boomhauer and Bill fighting in the alley. Cause I might go watch that little scene again just because I liked it so goddamn much. And then, I am drowning in your lies. Then swim to me, Juan Pedro. Oh, my God. I, I fucking love this can, episode. It's so good. Can I can I make a call out real quick then since we're, we're basically to the end of this and we yeah. haven't mentioned who Juan Pedro or Bug, they're voiced by the same person. Oh, my God. Really? Yes, and it's David Herman, and he gets the fucking MVP for this. David Herman is goddamn Bug Ribble? Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. David Herman. Oh, God. You can you, Next time you watch it, you can hear it for sure. You can definitely hear it in his voice. But, yeah, he yeah. is both Bug Gribble and Juan Pedro. And so it is it is one man basically, like, pouring out his gay heart to himself. And I love it because it is so fucking good. That's amazing. Oh, wow. That is so good. Well, Mark, I say we get this guy rated. Sorry, I had a mini stroke. I'm goddamn <laughs> David Herman. Char King, your blue flame of value to David Herman, number one. Uh, yeah, rating. I'm giving a Char King. I laughed a lot. I like this episode a ton. Go watch this episode. It's really good. Yeah. How about you, buddy? Uh, I also gave it a Char King. This gets an Imperial from us, man. And it's very, Woo. very much deserved. Um, I, I wish I could give this a blue flame. I can't because... There is a lot of like weird inside baseball that goes on in this episode of you need to know about Joseph's parentage already and you need to know about this and that. Like, I feel like you're you're going to be lost if you just come into this as a new person and go, why is it a big deal that Dale thinks his dad's a secret agent? I don't get it. That's not funny. Yeah, um, you, you need a thousand percent context on it. You you do you do to understand it and appreciate it completely, but it's absolutely an imperial. So uh, I I wrote down here that it's incredibly watchable. It's a good show of how the guys can be accepting of of anything. Like none of them give a shit that that bug is gay. Yeah. None of them really do. That's never once been an issue. And I think this is this is a good prime example of how they have written Hank as a character to to go. Yeah, Hank is not going to give a shit about Bug being gay. He's not going to want to be around it. It is going to make him uncomfortable, but he'll still do it because that's Hank is, is Dale's friend and he knows how much this means to him. They're going go to go play Taboo and have margaritas with What's-His-Nuts. Oh, with Gary and Mike, yes. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. Like, and, and I want to see me, that scene of him and Dale like going to play Taboo with Gary and Mike and eating paella. Like, right? 
But to me, it, it says something about your quality of writing and your character development that I wouldn't even think twice for Hank just to go, okay, that's fine. That's what this is. I'm uncomfortable, but I don't really, I don't care. That's your choice. Like, yeah, it doesn't bother me because you're gay. It bothers me because I don't know anything about it. To me, this is a good example of why Hank Hill would not be a Trump supporter because they have written him not to be. It doesn't. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Mesh. Like this is a good example of it. So, yeah, well, Mark, uh, I say we get out of here, but before we do, I got a question for you. What's that, good buddy? You still love King of the Hill, Mark? Man, I still really, really like King of the Hill. Yeah. How about you, Johnny? Hey, man, I love King of the Hill. I'm glad to hear it, buddy. Do you uh, want to tell those good people where they can find us? Absolutely. Good people of internet and podcast land can find us at dangolepodcast at gmail.com if you're into that whole email thing. We're on Twitter and Instagram at dangolepodcast. They can find me at krautballstream. That's kraut as in sauerkraut, ball as in Swedish meatball, and stream as in Cooper Creek, Cooper Creek in Denton, Texas. The current host of the IGRA convention this November. Mark, you can go to the International Gay Rodeo Association convention in Texas. Well, prairie shit, I'm in. <laughs> There's and also one be... in Oklahoma, but we don't go to Oklahoma. No. <laughs> Not unless JR's with us. No, he's a bad man who lives on a ranch with his mom. Um, you can find me live tweeting the Gay Rodeo at Marquee Stardust. And you can also find me on our sister podcast, The Two Wizards Podcast, where me and my buddy Josh take a variety of weird topics and discuss them. And, uh, yeah, Johnny, let's get the hell out of here, buddy. I, I think so. I think it's about that time. Thank you all for listening, and we will see you next. We love you all, everyone. Good night. <laughs>